while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard. And she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, why was the ointment wasted in this way? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. A lot of people really like that story of Jesus. That is, they like one particular line in it. The part when Jesus says, you always have the poor with you. Why, I'll swear that there are some people for whom that is the only Jesus quote that they know. Because every time the subject of poverty comes up, Every time someone mentions that there are all kinds of people out there who can't make their rent or can't afford to properly feed their children, somebody drags out this line. Oh well, what are you going to do, they will say. Didn't Jesus say you always have the poor with you? What they seem to be saying is that we shouldn't even try to do something about the problem of poverty because Jesus warned us that we're going to fail. I do understand why people say that. And I also understand that it has little to do with trying to respect what Jesus was really saying here. In fact, there's a whole lot going on in this whole story that people seem to be missing and perhaps even willfully misunderstanding. This is actually a key story for the Gospel of Mark, the kind of story that ties the whole Gospel together. But if you pull the story out of its context in the Gospel, and then especially if you pull out one line from the story itself, you're going to miss all of that. But what if we could tell the story in a way that makes the whole context clearer? This is retelling the Bible. Episode 6.7 The Only One Who Got It She had been waiting for her opportunity ever since the Galilean 
had first come into town almost a week ago. She had been there, on the fringes of the crowd, as he had made his entrance, surrounded by a crowd of supporters who shouted out, Hosanna, as they spread their cloaks and the branches they had cut in the field before him. But she did not feel that that was the moment to do what needed to be done. Later, when he had created a disturbance in the temple, and everyone was angry and seemed to be looking for him, that didn't seem to be the right time either. So she had stayed in the shadows and watched him, trying to find the right time. He was not staying in the city. Every evening he made his way out to the nearby town of Bethany, where he stayed with various residents who offered him hospitality. So tonight she had followed him to the home of a man named Simon. He was known to the people around town as the leper because of a bout with a skin condition he had gone through several years before. He had since recovered and re-earned the respect of the people in the town. So he had invited Jesus to stay with him this night. She knew that Jesus was even now in the dining room with Simon and several of his disciples. Dinner would soon be served and she had decided that this was finally the moment to make her move. As she approached the house, she pulled the alabaster jar out of her bag and rubbed her fingers across the smooth surface of it. It was beautiful, and it contained a perfume made with pure nard. She was not a woman without means, when her husband had died, she had taken over the family business, import-export, and done quite well in the process. But even with all of that success, this bottle represented a very large portion of all that she possessed. It had cost her almost as much as an ordinary person without her means might be able to earn in an entire year. She had no regrets, just a strong sense that she had spent that kind of money on the right thing. She came to the house. There was no one at the door. All of the members of the household, even the servants, were gathered in the dining room, where everyone was straining to hear everything that the Galilean had to say. And so she had entered, without being noticed or challenged. She made her way to the place where the guest of honor lay on his couch, preparing to eat. She came right up behind his head, and before anyone could say anything, she had broken open the bottle and poured it all over his hair. She knew exactly what she was doing and what it meant. 
any sort of anointing always had meaning. You might anoint somebody's feet as an act of contrition to them. You would anoint the body of a beloved friend or family member as an act of grief. Healers would anoint the sick with fragrant oils. But only kings were anointed on the head. She was here to proclaim her profound belief that this Jesus was indeed the king she had been seeking. She was proclaiming to him to be the anointed one. The Hebrew word for that would be Messiah. The Greek would be Christ. She just believed that it was time that somebody finally say that that was what he was and that that was what his coming meant. So, no, she did not regret the expense. She breathed in the scent deeply and felt satisfied. The Disciples As the pungent odor of the perfume spread throughout the room, the disciples who had followed the man from Galilee were taken aback. I am sure that part of it was that they felt as if they shouldn't have let anyone sneak up on their master. They had not picked up on many things since they'd come to Jerusalem. But they were at least somewhat aware that Jesus was not really safe in this town these days. So I'm pretty sure that they felt shamed that they were not keeping him safe. But, as people often do, instead of being angry at themselves, they started to redirect their anger against the woman herself. What are you thinking? One cried out. Of all the irresponsible things to do, that has got to be the worst. Another one, who was knowledgeable about such things, then called out, You stupid woman! Have you no sense of value? Don't you realize that perfume like that could have been sold and it would have brought in enough money to feed hundreds of hungry people? And then the rest of them started to pile on. They seemed to be vying with one another, each one to demonstrate that he was more concerned with the plight of the poor than the rest. The poor woman was overwhelmed by the vitriol they were now pouring out on her. She withdrew into a dark corner. Jesus. Jesus had to keep telling himself that he really did love these guys. They had all been through so much together. 
and they had always been there for him. But, honestly, they could sometimes be so very dense. They heard the words that he said, but they never seemed to listen. After all of the stress of the last few days, he had been hoping for a peaceful dinner tonight. But apparently, that was not going to be. Guys! 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 He shouted over the din. Can't you just leave this poor woman alone and stop giving her grief? After all, there will never cease to be some in need on the earth. Jesus paused and looked expectantly at the disciples. It was obvious that he was looking for some kind of response or understanding from them, but they only seemed confused. And so he tried again. You'll always have poor people among you. Eventually, one of them spoke up. Master, uh, Master, I think I understand what you're saying. You're, you're saying since the problem of poverty is an intractable one that's not going to be solved with a few generous donations, that, that we shouldn't try to do anything at all? Oh, I get it, said a couple of the others. Yeah, yeah, that kind of makes sense. No, no, Jesus said. Listen to what I'm saying here. I said, there will never cease to be some in need on the earth. Eh? Eh? They continued to stare at him blankly. For Pete's sake, Jesus muttered to himself. Yes, Lord, piped up Simon. What can I do for you? No, no, not you, said Jesus. It, at least not yet. Listen, guys. I'm pretty sure you're all Jews, aren't you? The gathered company all nodded. And isn't that supposed to mean that the law of Moses means, like, everything to you guys? I mean, I, I get that you may have not actually read it for yourselves, but I thought that you guys were raised on the stories of Moses and David and the like, and that the law was a constant topic of discussion. You are supposed to know this stuff. They all assured him that this was indeed the case. So, when I say something like, there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, you're supposed to make an automatic connection with your brains. You're supposed to remember that that is a quote from Moses. Does anyone know where in the law Moses says that? Anyone? Anyone? The disciples were settling into their usual blank stares. 
Anyone at all? It's something that Moses says, anyone, in the book of Deuteronomy as part of anyone as as part of the Sabbath year law? And now, does anyone know what the Sabbath year law was supposed to do? Anyone? Thomas had fallen asleep with his head on the desk, drool leaking out of the corner of his mouth. Andrew was staring out the window, but Jesus carried on doggedly. The Sabbath year law was a way of making sure that when people fell into debt or poverty, they didn't get stuck in it permanently. So really, you should have picked up on that quote and understand that what I was really saying was that we need to be thinking beyond just making band-aid solutions when people fall into poverty. We need to work to make sure that the system itself and the flaws within it are addressed. We need to work for justice, and not just for charity. Have you got that? All indications seem to be that they had certainly not gotten it. Jesus finally seemed to put aside the effort to try and teach them about the systemic problems behind poverty. Okay, okay, he went on. But there's something else going on here. Something that you really should have picked up on. Let's look at what this woman has done. She has anointed my body. Anointed it ahead of time for my burial. Surely you all understand what that means. For some reason, Jesus was still surprised at how his disciples just stared at him blankly. How many times have I told you this? Never mind. In fact, I know exactly how many times I told you this. I told you three times. Three times I said to you that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. Surely that rings a bell with you. Simon Peter tentatively raised his hand. Yeah, yeah, I do remember you saying something like that. I... I never really understood what it meant. Was it uh, one of those um, uh, parabolas? Thomas spoke up to correct his friend. I think he means that it was a parable, Lord. Jesus sighed. Even when I lay it out before you so clearly, you guys just don't seem to get it. Why am I surprised that you don't even understand what is going on right now? How can you not see it? You have seen how mad the Roman and the, the Jewish authorities are with me. Surely you realize that what I said about being put to death is not a parable. It is a constant probability these days. 
I literally mean that they are going to want to take me down and do it very soon. But that is not all that I said. I also promised that there would be a resurrection on the third day. So, and I know you guys aren't very good at math, but try to calculate this. Let's just say that I got killed by the authorities on a, a Friday. And say that I died really late on Friday afternoon. What would happen then? Oh, the law and tradition are pretty clear about that, interjected Andrew. Anyone who dies must be buried before the sun goes down. Exactly, said Jesus. So there wouldn't be time to prepare my body for burial that day, would there? The disciples all shook their heads. And what about the next day? Could my body be anointed on Saturday? Of course not, Andrew answered. That is work, and work is forbidden on the Sabbath. And what about Saturday? Could I be anointed then? Well, I suppose that yes. Jesus cut Andrew off. You see? This is exactly what I mean when I say you guys don't listen. I told you that the Son of Man would be raised on the third day, but you just don't seem to get it. That means that there will be no opportunity for my body to be properly anointed for burial. At all. Because my body won't be there on the third day. I've said it three times. But none of you got it. That's what I mean when I say that nobody listens to me. This woman, here he gestured towards the woman and her broken alabaster jar, is the first one to get it. And she has shown her understanding by coming here tonight to anoint me ahead of time for my burial. She understands that there will be no other opportunity. The woman, standing right behind Jesus, looked down at the broken jar she had dropped behind him. Was that really what she'd done? She didn't think so. She was pretty sure that she had come here to anoint him as the Messiah, the King of Israel, that they were waiting for. No. She hadn't set out to do anything about his burial, but... Of course, Jesus was now looking at her so approvingly that she wasn't about to say anything. That's right. She is the only one who gets it, Jesus continued. So, I want you guys to do one thing for me. Can you do this? I want you to make sure that people remember what she did here today. Don't let them forget her. When the supper was over, 
the disciples made their way out of the dining room, each one looking for some place where he could bed down for the night. As Peter and Andrew slipped out of the room, they spoke together. Did you understand what all of that stuff about the, the perfume was about? Peter asked his brother. Oh, sure, lied Andrew. Jesus was just saying that we shouldn't bother giving money to the poor because uh, uh, his hair was kind of stinky and the, the woman understood that. And um, he also said that we should remember the name of that woman who did it for him. Oh, right, replied Peter. I get it now. By the way, what was that woman's name? Anyways, Andrew shrugged. And Jesus, who was striding right behind them, sighed as he rolled his eyes. He really did love these guys, though. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' disciples are pretty much depicted as, well, idiots. They never seem to grasp the meaning behind anything that Jesus says or does. This is also true of the members of Jesus' family. And it is even true of the women who go to the tomb on Easter morning. If you read the Gospel carefully you realize that the author, traditionally known as Mark, but never actually identified, is constantly casting all of these people in the worst light possible. For example, three times Mark tells us that Jesus explained exactly how he was going to die and be raised from the dead to his disciples. And after each time that he does this, Mark tells us that the disciples did something that clearly demonstrated that they had not understood what Jesus had said at all. In those instances, and most every other, the disciples are constantly confused, afraid, and just plain stupid. They don't get anything. I think that we as modern readers sometimes miss this because we tend to blend all of the Gospels together in our minds. And some of the other Gospels, particularly Matthew and Luke, which used Mark as a source, clearly felt pretty uncomfortable with Mark's criticism of the disciples, and they tended to tone it down in their Gospels. They built moments into their narrative where the disciples redeemed themselves, especially perhaps in the post-resurrection appearances. But Mark doesn't really have any of that. The ignorance of the disciples particularly shines through in the episode of the anointing at Bethany. The disciples seem to completely miss Jesus' reference to the saying of Moses in Deuteronomy regarding poverty. What's more, 
despite having been told three times, they do not appear to understand that there will be no opportunity to anoint Jesus' body for burial. There is probably a reason why Mark treated the disciples so shabbily in his gospel. It might well be that in his day, as this gospel was being written, the gospel writer had some serious problems with Christian leaders who claimed their authority because of their connection with the apostles. He wanted to discredit such leaders. So he made a point of including this episode that made it clear that the disciples didn't understand much of anything about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. He was obviously also saying something important about what he understood about the meaning and purpose of the death of Jesus. What he wasn't saying, however, was that there is no point in trying to help out the poor of this world. I suspect he was pointing his readers to the passage in Deuteronomy and to the need to take steps to deal with the systemic issues that lie behind the problem of poverty. Most intriguingly, Mark seems to be saying that the only person who actually did understand any of this was a certain woman who had purchased a bottle of perfume. And yet, even after Jesus makes a point of saying that she needs to be remembered, Mark doesn't even bother to tell us what her name was. That is it for this episode of Retelling the Bible. Please subscribe so you can get the next episode in a couple of weeks. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone else who would appreciate it. The theme music for the podcast is Ada, and the mood music for this episode is Canon in D Interstellar Mix. The music is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under the Creative Commons, and it can be found at incompetech.com. You can contact me on Twitter at Retelling Bible, on the Facebook page Retelling the Bible. Show notes for this episode have been posted at retellingthebible.wordpress.com. This is Retelling the Bible, and I have been your storyteller, W. Scott McCandless. <laughs>